0: This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Welcome to What's Up, Doc? A medical podcast brought to you by Decatur Orthopedic Center and featuring Dr. Sams, Dr. Sullivan, and Newhoff
1: Media's Luke Hiley. What's Up, Doc? Is back for, I don't know, kind of lost track of how many episodes we've done yet. Probably around 10 or something. This might be the, this might be special number 10. (laughs) Uh, Let's just call it that. We'll call it that. The doctors have ventured their way down to Newhoff Media downtown here, uh, braving the snow. And um, thanks for coming, guys. What's up?
2: Not a whole lot. Nice little snowy Friday
1: indicator. If you slip and fall, uh, these are the guys to
2: call. Oh, make they, hey. Is that, that a new slut? That's, that
0: <laughs> that's
1: good.
2: Is that, and make sure, have and make sure you haven't ate anything. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Hey, before we uh, get into any particular topic, can I bring something up? Because you're kind of a football nut. A little bit. I want to really quick talk about Bill Belichick. Let's do it. Now, here's the thing. First of all, I got to say this is let's clear the air on this. There is no Brady without Belichick. There is no Belichick without Brady. You know this? Big debate about, oh, who who
1: was it? Chicken or the egg. Right. right. Yeah.
0: Who was it that 20 years of success, the dozen AFC championships, or whatever, or the six Super Bowl victories? Stupid, right? It's both of them. Sorry if I'm insulting anyone out there. It's both of them. But Bill Belichick, I just want to say this because I'm on the radio and I get a chance to say this too. Billion people listening. Yes, right? a we.
2: I mean, I think people.
1: we just crossed the billion threshold.
2: Week number three thousand of podcasts in China.
0: Yes, southwestern.
1: Right? Yes, We're just just behind Joe Rogan, I think, <laughs> in really? the latest numbers.
0: Bill Belichick, how soon we forget? Right, everyone just thinks you know he had he has a one bad or two you know subpar seasons, and everybody just now is crucifying him and saying. And nobody's willing to hire him or whatever. They're saying nobody's willing to hire him. You know, nobody knows what's going on behind the scenes. And brings me to my main point. Please, Bill Belichick, the Chicago Bears need you. (laughs) I will take Bill Belichick any old day. I don't care how old he is. I don't care if he's in a wheelchair. I want Bill Belichick for the Chicago Bears. Do you think
2: they could handle him?
0: I don't know. But the thing is, even if he's done, okay, let's say he's done, mm-hmm. I just want some of that magic to touch the Chicago Bears, just even the the whiff of a culture, you know? And who knows? I mean, who knows what will become of it? Maybe he's not done, but I would love, this is something that nobody wants to talk about, but I would love Bill Belichick, Chicago Bears. A little you know, magic would be nice.
2: You know, it is uh, how quickly they can fall from this, this pedestal, but... He clearly is one of the greatest, if not the greatest coaches that's ever coached in the NFL. His, su- his success is unparalleled. Uh, is there a little bit of age discrimination going on? Now, not overtly, right? But it's one of those things. It's a factor, right? Mm-hmm. It's He's at an age where you're like, what is your longevity? I don't know. And if you're really trying to get a culture change are you going to go with a guy that only has a couple years left? Right. It just makes me think.
0: Yeah. But I, you know, I'm, I'm a huge Bill Belichick fan and I did not so quickly forget, you know, because his philosophy, it's so simple, but so difficult to execute. It's one thing. Do your job. We see it in surgery all the time. Mm -hmm. If everybody does their job, Things go perfectly, right? If one person doesn't do their job. We got problems, yep. you know, and it's just, you know, it's one of the important things about sports. I think there's so many lessons learned and that, that guy just built an empire off of one sentence. Do your job. Yep. It's great. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love Bill
2: Belichick. Don't, don't you forget folks. Don't you forget. <laughs> so staying, so staying with the NFL, what was your thought of the uh, Super Bowl? Because aren't the Chiefs, or which one of your teams was your favorite team this year? Was it the Chiefs or was it the 49ers?
0: (laughs) No, it was, unfortunately, (laughs) the Chicago Bears. No, but uh, I loved it. I thought it was a a great game, exciting game. Um, I liked the way it went. I'm much more of a Chiefs fan than the 49ers. I thought it was just, you know, classic Chiefs stuff. But the thing I like most about it is this Super Bowl, I said it beforehand. These numbers that Patrick Mahomes now has, now officially we're talking about the Brady versus Mahomes thing. I mean, it's three Super Bowls. It's six AFC championships and six years as a starter. He really could. I think we talked about before. This could be like, you know, where Tiger Woods, you got the 15 majors and then just like, where's the next one a decade later, you know? Maybe he falls off a cliff, but he is now a blazing pace
1: yeah the uh the parody in the NFL is just unbelievable because he's clearly special this was the worst chiefs team in right. a few years and they still won the super Bowl the parody the parody is, is crazy
2: they they found a way and the, their identity kind of changed and it was it was really remarkable because mm-hmm. i was af- i was afraid and i may have even said it i was afraid that there was going to be like this lopsided 49ers victory because I just didn't think that they had the horses to keep up with them. Mm-hmm. And if you blindfold, I was talking about it when I was watching the game, if you would have blindfolded the score, right? Or taking the score off of it. And you just watch the game. I felt like the 49ers were just so much more impressive in every facet. They were faster on defense. They were clearly moving the ball better mm-hmm. at a more continuous pace. And then all of a sudden, Oh wait, wait, the Chiefs hang in there and they find a way they to find a way. It's unbelievable. It's,
1: it, it really is. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. And there's things that happen. Like, I hate to say this. I hate to throw anybody under the bus, but there might be a little Shanahan factor. It's like, why do you stop running the ball? Yeah. Like you're, you know, why stop controlling the ball like you were. And I'll tell you where my heart sunk for the 49ers because like I said, I wanted the Chiefs to win, but wouldn't have minded seeing like Shanahan get a victory. Love guys like McCaffrey. Um, You know, just some guys I really wanted to see it, but I'll tell you, I love that linebacking core, and my heart sunk for the 49ers and just in general when I saw Greenlaw go down Mm -hmm. with that weird, weird injury.
1: How the hell does that happen to a peak athlete, 26 years old, non-contact, literally running out to play defense in the Super Bowl, and bam, his Achilles just ruptures on the spot. Explain, explain that from an orthopedic. And I think we've actually talked about this before, but let's – because it's obviously pertinent now. How does that happen from an orthopedic perspective?
0: Yeah, that's uh, – I mean, we spoke – I think we had almost a full episode on it uh, with regard to Rodgers. And here you go. We spoke a lot about it being the weekend warrior, old dude kind of thing. The mm-hmm. guy's not in shape. His tendon isn't ready for it. But this, I would have to say, would be like maybe he had a – it was like attritional, meaning he had like a tear that going on and it was getting ready to go and, you know, maybe like a, an attritional thing. But this is – it's a weird one. It's not – doesn't fit into that category of old dude, weekend warrior. This mm-hmm. guy is – he's not only in the NFL – He's Greenlaw. Yeah, the you opposite know, he of He is that. a yes. absolute specimen. Mm-hmm. And so...
2: I, I agree with that. I think that it's... It would be interesting to note from a medical standpoint, has this guy been bandaged along and therapied along? You know, he pulled a calf, strained it, mm-hmm. and he's, you know, going, 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 and they've had an expert medical team that's basically own, letting him continue to play at a very high level, and this was the, the last straw. Or... That that would be like almost like okay I can explain that one right but if it's the opposite where it's like no no that's never he's not been in the training room for that once I would look at you and go no idea mm-hmm. how on earth is that, that he's probably done a hundred thousand moves more aggressive more of an eccentric contraction more explosive. And that's the one that gets him. Yeah, like it—it yeah. it absolutely doesn't even make sense. Mm-hmm. And
0: the uh, and but if you look at it, folks, look at go Google the the footage. I mean, there it is. There's the mechanism. He's yep. bouncing, bouncing, and then he like plants to go cook out on the field because they're all going running, you know, to mm-hmm. to take their um, to get out on the field for a defense and uh, pop. I mean, yep. you could you can see it. Yeah, it's great. They're back to the game. Man, when I saw that, that's just that got you. Yeah. You know? And it's when they it's when the I think when the Chiefs were starting to crawl back into it, mm-hmm. you know, and they were not, they were crawling back into it. And Travis Kelsey was um, trying to get his <laughs> get his name in there, get get into the game. <laughs>
2: yeah, I think I if, if, we got to talk about that for a second because this is this has got so many layers to it that that. Are worth talking about, especially in today. I watched that with Travis Kelsey when he goes after Andy Reid and gets too close, physically touches him. Not only he pushed him, he just got so close that he bumped into him. But it was such an aggressive thing that I didn't like it. I watched him like that's too far, right? It's just it was not okay. But the thing that impressed me the most is that his coach gave him grace after the game. His post-game conference, when they brought it up, as was like, Coach, we got to talk about it. He gave him grace, told him that he loved him, told him that, you know, things that, you know, it could have went very different. Mm-hmm. They could have went very different and and made it a bigger issue. And there's a master class being taught right there by Andy Reid. And I think not only does that deepen the bond, but, you know, I was seeing after the the next day, it was obviously a topic of conversation. And... Some of the conversation was he should be done, meaning Travis Kelsey should be done. And it is an irritation of mine, but Travis Kelsey, people want to say, you know what? This is an, a mistake and you should be fired. One and done. Let's forget about what you've done. Let's forget about all the good you've done for that team and how much value you still do have. One thing, eh, you're out, Right. That cancel culture is a cancer. And my argument, and if you look at Travis Kelsey, I'm not supporting or saying what he did was right. I believe that he made a mistake. He admits that he made a mistake.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But Andy Reid, maybe say the Kansas City Chiefs, but mo- most notably Andy Reid is giving a masterclass in grace. Yeah, And you know what? As a person, I don't know, you guys may know this or, about me, I've gotten hot before. You're a, little, you're a little fired up. I've gotten fired up before. <laughs> and I've even said things that I probably wish I wouldn't have. No. You, I, it's you happened a few them. times. You, you get in the fiery crucible that is the OR, <laughs> and I know you have too. Yes,
1: I, I got some...
2: But here's the point. Have you
1: ever had a have you ever had a Travis Kelsey nurse come up and bump you and tell you to <laughs> tell you to keep them in the game?
2: Uh no, no, I haven't had that. No, I haven't had that. But I think that we've had those moments and there's people that are like, You can never, ever, ever act like that under any circumstance. And and the reality is that as humans, we're emotional creatures. And sports, who's not an emotional uh Sports, uh, who's not an emotional athlete? I really respect the guys that have the ability to almost show no emotion, but that's not natural. Mm -hmm. And so I saw that as like, hey, Kelsey was wrong. I loved Reed's response. I absolutely loved that Grace won there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that should be something that is talked about a little bit louder rather than, ah, he should be sanctioned, fired, fined, something along those lines it's just too far. Yeah. Where a touch of grace, a touch of forgiveness, is maybe a better policy.
0: And it's also just like this—the you know the clickbait, soundbite culture. I mean, it is what it is. He's flipping out. He's losing his cool. But it is also completely out of context. You know, I train my kids. I was trained. You don't talk back to the rep. You don't talk back to your coach. You respect, you know, authority. Those kind of things. That's little league stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's what I want my kids to do. They'll learn lessons from from being like that. But this is on the professional level. And Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey are like, they're homies. That's like a, you know, like he's. I Think he said something like he's it's like his son or something, right? You no, know? they're. So that, that's just taken so out of context. These guys are such – not that I condone doing that to your coach, but come on, folks, this is – you don't know what's going on behind there. And like Jake is saying, it's, all of a sudden Travis Kelsey fired out of there? No, I don't think so. It's, no. It is, a, it is kind of um, – it is that cancel culture thing, the clickbait soundbite, and it's a little bit of a shame. It's not – it, You know, it was also good that Travis Kelsey kind of came – Straight out and said, "Boy, was I an idiot!" Well,
1: yeah, Which, I mean, and me, as an athlete, I mean that—that's <laughs> about as—that's about as bad as it gets. On you know, when you playing team sports for your whole life, I mean, bumping, making contact <laughs> with your coach, yeah, yeah. And that's not even to mention the fact that hundreds of millions of people were watching that happen. Right. I mean, that's about as bad as it gets. But. In no way, shape, or form should Travis Kelsey deserve to never play football again or anything like that. That's crazy. And unfortunately, Dr. Sam's hit the nail on the head. That's kind of the world that we live in right now. Yep. And that's that's not that's just not a good stance to take on things.
2: No, no, I don't think it is. I don't think in it, you know, when we judge somebody that harshly, he goes back to and this is not to sound overly spiritual but you know treat others the way you'd want to be treated and i think we all fall short but the point of it is is give a little grace Mm -hmm. right he had a bad moment in a position that is extremely public he made a mistake move on learn from it and that'd be a again little little master class andy Reid in his off season should be like hey this is (laughs) this is how to respond
1: let's not not do this again right (laughs) Teach my four-year-old not to respond that way. And he struggles, too. (laughs) He's bumping me every once in a while. I'm not going to (laughs) lie.
2: You know what? Yeah. (laughs) Those kiddos.
1: All right. So there's your what's up, Doc, 16-minute Super Bowl recap. You're welcome. Um, (laughs) So what's going on in in your guys' world? Tell me something cool that you've had happen or you've got coming up or, or just what's going on.
2: You know, I got a great case coming up here. And uh, when I say great case, it's a great case because I always appreciate the opportunity to practice medicine in an era where we have solutions that previously didn't exist, okay? And so there's a lady that's sent to me who has an awful shoulder. And when I say it doesn't have a socket, I literally mean there is no socket. It is so eroded away, the bone doesn't exist. And you know, back when we were in training, which is not that long ago, but also not that close, it wouldn't have existed. It would have been like, hey, you can't have anything. Sorry, right? And to now have an option, what we're going to do for her is we have uh, taken a CT scan. And from that, one of the companies that we work with can 3D recreate. So I worked with the engineers. We created a new shoulder socket using metal that will attach to her scapula and we're going to give her an option for a really good outcome where she didn't previously have it. So it's a, it's the perfect opportunity to use technology in a way to, like I said, standard off the shelf doesn't work. Doesn't even come close. It will fail and it will go from a disaster to a worse disaster. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited about that one. That one's coming up, but that's, uh you know, these are not, every day these are ones that you get uh, a lot of times you can remedy it with with standard techniques or implants and this is one that is uh, uh going to be a really cool use of technology in, in modern surgery so
1: is there literally a computer program where your uh i don't know what the word is supplier of the of the um socket uh he just sits there and draws works with you and and, and draws a
2: yeah, so imagine like if you could take the scapula and in 3D you could take it and you can literally turn it on every axis, right? So you can see every bony deficiency, every bone spur, every area that you're like, oh, I don't like that. And so what they'll do is they'll then match the native surface that is, exists there and how do you bring it out to the correct level? Because there's so much erosion that you have to build that back up. So when you do that, so you're correcting the inclination, the version, all of these numbers to get you back to a good spot. And so from there, then we'll start talking about like, okay, where's the good bone that we can build off of, right? So this is going to be a great spot for, you know, sometimes we call it like a home run screw. Like this is a really important screw trajectory. I think I can get a little bit of purchase here and you start working with them. What's that length going to be? And you start building the shoulder from that foundational cornerstone point back out. And it's, it's really cool. But you, we do have the privilege of working with the engineers on the, on that software side. To say, this is what we got. I need a little bit more. Let's build this up a little bit more. Let's let's move this over a little bit, and you make it truly custom. So when I get in there, I will literally take this custom implant. It will be precisely, perfectly built for this patient, and it will sit in there. And I mean, it's just like Cinderella's glass slipper. It will fit perfectly, and you'll then start just putting the screws in, getting the fixation, and, and go from there.
0: And it's, uh, it's. I'm proud to say we, you know, that we we've done this because these are, these are very rare surgeries, mm-hmm. you know, and for us to have the, the capabilities, not only the training, but the, the relationships with these, we implant companies. Um, I did recently and to kind of along what Dr. Sam's is talking about to give you an idea, you know, take it from when you she comes to your clinic, she comes to my clinic. She had no shoulder, no bone anywhere near the shoulders gone had multiple infections, multiple attempts to eradicate surgeries you know, to eradicate the infection, multiple surgeries. And so you get a CT scan, you send it off. And then next thing you know, you're sitting with an engineer doing a zoom thing. And you're talking about putting that socket or that ball where it should be. Mm -hmm. And then this, all of this geography is filled in with metal, right? And then that is going to be 3D printed. And then, you know, in surgeries, we use principles and we know that, hey, I'm going to put a screw in this direction because I know in normal anatomy, this screw is going to get some bone here, right? That's not the case in this. So the the implant is custom built so those screws go to where the, you know, the CT scan shows there is bone. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. I mean, it's like and then for it to be 3D printed and like Dr. Sam said like perfect fit. Um incredible, you know, and the the most recent case I did with it just an unbelievable outcome and it truly hopeless situation Mm -hmm. so these are these are cases where it used to be you didn't have a shoulder you didn't have a hip you didn't have a knee so these they're incredible it's incredible technology
1: what's the material that is 3d printed you said uh... yeah
0: yeah in this particular case it's a metal Mm -hmm. you know um, they're there's you can imagine with this level of technology they're constantly looking into different stuff polymers that will turn into bone over time you know, we call that biocomposite. There's, they're constantly working on it. But right now these custom, um, these custom jobs are, are made out of metal and, uh, you know, there becomes a lot of discussion about, Hey, should everything be custom, you know? And we like to say every knee replacement is custom because if you, you there's a bunch of different variables and you use this size here, this size here in the end, it is kind of made for you, but there's a lot of kind of marketing and hype and, um, media attention for actual custom stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's certain times where it's necessary, like these cases we're talking about, but there's also some pretty exciting things coming out, um, that we don't do regularly, for example, using CT scans and MRIs to create cutting, cutting jigs, you know, the the things we use to cut your bone at the proper place. Using these MRIs and CT scans to build those, that is something that's out there. It's been around for a long time, but I personally only use those in times when I really need them. Like if there's uh, some metal in the way um, that I can't take out or shouldn't take out. Mm -hmm. So I need to like work around it and the traditional instruments won't work. I mean, you've, there's been, scenarios where where it's ideal um but then there's what we're talking about these few cases of shoulders it's like sometimes there's just no other choice
1: right
2: yeah, yeah i think i think that's very well said i think that custom just because you can doesn't mean you always should right and that's the that's part of the the surgeon's you know, tool bag or repertoire to to say, hey, I've got this available, but we don't need to use it at all. If we did it on everything, the cost of healthcare, which is already high, would go astronomically higher. And you'd be like, this is not a good solution because it really wouldn't change the outcome. In this case, you know, you have to think of the custom implants as something that is building up what nothing else can. Mm -hmm. And in other times, you know, if you're just cutting it away and you're using standard sizes, it can just be overdone. But This is the right use of the technology at the right time for the right patient to get an outcome that otherwise would not be attainable. Right. What's
1: the difference in cost between custom and off the shelf? Lots.
2: Lots. And I think like, so normally like, so if you say a standard shoulder, uh, you know, a glenoid component may be in the order of a few thousand bucks. Mm Mm-hmm. This is going to be at one time. I know it was as high as eighteen thousand right. dollars. So six, seven, eight times higher than what you would expect off the shelf. But I don't have any other options. If right. you said, "Hey, we have to do it with the the basic," I wouldn't do it because I know it's going to fail. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's that it's that dire of a situation um, in terms of the the structure of the shoulder. So very very interesting. Not an everyday case, but again, one of those where you know, as we started our introduction on this podcast back back now a few months ago, these are the things that I'm, I'm proud of that people are sending these to Decatur, Illinois and we're taking care of it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that's, I think that means we're doing a good job.
0: And to give you an idea of your question about cost difference. Another thing I'd like to want to throw in here is like public service announcement. Folks don't, don't get snowed, you know, of course, do your own research, but sometimes it's hard to do research. You're not an orthopedic surgeon, right? So people get these ads flashing from custom-made knee replacement, right? And it's a primary knee replacement. So just to be keep this simple, not get too confusing, Dr. Sams and I are talking about these crazy implants that there's no other choice and they have to be computer 3D printed and all this stuff. There's other situation I talk about just primary everyday knee replacement. The standard technique is I get some x-rays that costs not very much. I go into the operation, I use standard equipment that costs not very much. Takes me, you know, not too long to do the surgery. The quote unquote custom knee, right? You just need a knee replacement and you're going to this guy who's doing a custom job he gets an MRI, cost a lot. That MRI gets sent off to the company. The company makes these cutting jigs instead of your standard equipment. Cost a lot. Gets sent back, you use it in the operating room. If you're not doing these all the time, takes longer. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, wound is open longer, more blood loss for people who are not, you know, have to go through a learning curve. My whole point of here is, when that is the standard and can be done cost-effectively, and and teams know how to do them, surgeons know how to do them, and every all the kinks are ironed out, then yeah, it should be done. But in the meantime, don't be snowed. You know, there's so many things out there in orthopedics that are that are um, marketing jobs, right? You know, trying to get you to the latest greatest thing, and we've talked about a lot of those things. And it's just yet another thing to, you know, go to somebody who's got a good reputation, who does a lot of surgeries, who has good outcomes and has a good, really, reputation, word of mouth, you know.
1: What percent of cases do you guys see that you really believe require a custom solution? A
0: fraction of a percent. Yeah. I mean, take this, you know, as a grain of salt here is you're talking about we do hundreds, thousands of... And we run into these, one of these situations every once in a while. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, one in thousands. Yeah, right. That's about right. You you know, a fraction of a percent where you need
2: to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. I I had a a patient today. I want to bring this up because I think that people, I'm surprised by this, but it's just a point I want to kind of say. I had a lady that uh, came to me today and she had, a hip that she loves, absolutely loves it. Once the other side done, she says, "I hear it's like a f- assembly line. You only do part of it." No. And here's the thing what's confusing is that I was like, "What do you mean?" She's like, "I heard that somebody starts it, you do a part, and then somebody else does another part." No, not at all. But you know, what? I think that people get confused because we have assistants in the OR. Yeah. And so we both utilize nurse practitioners and PAs, uh, PAs, physician assistants. And I think a lot of people are familiar with them in the primary care setting where they're either maybe they're going to an urgent care, maybe they're going to their doctor's office and they know that, you know, this is John and John is the PA for Dr. So and so. The point of it is, as a surgical team, they're kind of our right hand woman, man um, that helps us do everything we we're talking about as a team and going back to Belichick and everything does right. They kind of are that person, key person that helps us do everything right. But that was a new one on me. And she was like nervous. This patient was nervous. Cause she's like, I don't know. Cause I know other people. And I'm like, I'm doing it. I said, I'm starting it. I'm finishing it. I said, my nurse practitioner helps me, but she will close the skin. She's responsible. She's basically the finest uh, seamstress will sew your skin up as well as anybody could possibly do that is how they're going to help. And I just thought that was interesting. Have you gotten that before? Yes, in
0: fact, it's funny you should say that because I just had a guy, you know, I'm a revision surgeon. So I do a lot of what I do is revisions. And um, he was, he is kind of complaining. This guy said this. He goes, You know, that other guy, mentioning the other doctor, said, I wish I would have known he wasn't going to do the surgery. And I was like, What are you talking about? He did the surgery. Of course he did the surgery. He said, well, I kind of came around. I woke up, you know, because they have the spinal, you know. Mm -hmm. And and in some situations, people remember little parts of surgery. And he said, he looked down over, (laughs) he looked over the drape, and that doctor was nowhere to be found. And he recognized that that doctor's PA or nurse practitioner. And said he was doing the surgery. And it imprinted in his mind that that, that provider, that person who is the right hand man of that doctor, he just said he's not in there, right? So, no, we do the complete surgery, but also you should know that we like to work, we like to work a lot. We we will do a lot of surgery. Some people are a little bit uncomfortable with how many surgeries mm-hmm. we can do in a given, day, maybe not realizing that we would not do eight or nine joint replacements if we didn't think we could do them perfectly, you know? So we go in there and we have a system where, you know, so I'm doing talking to patients or doing orders or dictating and people are getting the patient ready, Mm -hmm. you know, they're positioning them and they're scrubbing them and they're putting all the sealant on them and the drapes and everything and laying out the equipment. And I come right in, when I walk in, we start operating. Yep. That's how it is. That's the pace. I walk in, we do a timeout, which is this process where everybody knows who the patient is, what's, you know, a little peek behind the curtain. We, we do all this, we quadruple, quintuple check. But when I walk in the room, I'm making an incision. And when I walk out of the room, I'm generally walking to another room and making another incision. That's just a pace, that's how we work. Um, and then people can have this, you know, and, and back to what Dr. Sam is saying about the, our partners who help us and close the skin, they have now done so many, they're better than us at the skin, Mm -hmm. you know? So we don't do anything without striving for perfection, but it is funny that it is perceived that way. When that guy I was talking about, he was absolutely convinced that that doctor was nowhere to be seen. Like somebody else did the surgery
2: you know yeah no it's it kind of was a wait what are you talking about and i was like no i'm going to do it she's like oh, okay all right you know i'm like you were worried about that
1: I think people spend too much time on the computer or talking to their friends i uh, maybe yeah, and maybe tell you, the thing too is we
0: we have developed a system where whereby we can do all of these surgeries cuz we have a very close knit team we have People, every single one is very trusted to do their part. I think people are a little bit freaked out. Like when you go to, say, a big university, I won't mention any by names. But, you know, in those situations, you got a famous surgeon. He's got two or three fellows. Those are these high-level trainees. Under them, they each have two or three residents. Under them, they each have two or three med students. And who knows who is doing what? I mean, there are some kind of some stories about surgeons who are apparently famous who kind of don't even who don't
1: do much surgery. Yeah.
0: And they, they don't even, and like they as surgeons are not very good, you know? Um, so the, that's probably leads into that perception. If there's any high volume, if there's people doing a lot of surgery, then that's going to, it's gotta be the case. No, we're, we're very hands on.
1: There you have it. Dr. Sam and Dr. Sullivan, they are the ones cutting. <laughs> yes. Nobody else. Nobody else. Nobody else. All right, guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for braving, coming out and being with us today. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right.
2: Look forward to the next one. Yep.
1: Thanks, guys. Bye.
2: You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.